my wife and I moved across the country from Dallas, Texas to Washington. And uh, right now I'm in my new studio, uh, which is a garage up in Port Angeles, Washington. It's the almost the most western, northwestern point of the United States. I think we're like 60 miles from the like the actual most northwestern point in the continental U.S. So we're up here. I can uh, see the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Juan de Fuca, I think is how you say it. And the only thing on the other side of it is Canada. So we're up here. It's July and a decently warm day here. And it's like 65 degrees. So it's quite a bit different from Dallas. On our journey, Ray and I spent... Uh, a few days, I mean, we spent like a week or a little more than a week actually making the trek. We had to drive separately. So that made the commute, we call each other when we could, but when we went through the Rockies, like there's a lot of area there we don't have service. So it was a lot of podcast listening and silence and music, of course, but a little, a little of that, and then we talked to each other when we could, but we stopped in Jackson, Wyoming, and then went through the Yellowstone National Park and Grand Teton National Park, drove through the western side of Montana. It's beautiful country up there. I mean, just magnificent. Um, one of the things I was thinking about was, when I was in school, we were learning about religion and uh, ancient religions, Mesopotamian religions, uh, an idea that permeated basically all religious thought was this idea of the gods living, uh, on the mountains. So like in, in Greek religion and Greek myth, gods lived on Mount Olympus. Um, in, and in, uh, Mesopotamian religions, gods came down from the mountains, and then in in the Israelite in the Israelite uh, religion in the Jewish faith, God delivers His law to Moses on top of a mountain. So there's this idea of like the sacredness of a mountaintop, and coming from the Midwest, uh, and having no access to anything close to a mountain. That is an idea that just seems what inconsequential to me. Just not. Oh, it's kind of like oh, okay, yeah, okay. They thought that. That's weird, but whatever. Well, once we hit the the Tetons, and which the the Grand Teton Mountain Range is is a range in western Wyoming. It it sort of it sort of borders the west side of Wyoming to the east side of Idaho. And you're driving through what is known as the Jackson Hole Valley, which is this beautiful, lush, Garden of Eden-looking place full of wildflowers, full of wildlife, dense, thick, dense forests, and just these meadows that seem to stretch for forever. And then at the back of the meadow... The Grand Teton Mountain Range, these rocky, severe-looking cliff faces, essentially, shoot what looks to be directly out of the bottom of the meadow, thousands of feet in the air, 
to these rocky, rugged points. And it is one of the most magnificent and intimidating sights I've ever seen in my life. And uh, it, it finally, it kind of just made sense to me that the gods being those who, who live, uh, you know, in the heavens above us, um, we live down here sort of in safety. The gods live in the terrifying region on the mountaintop. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a place humans can't survive, right? You can't live on the top of a mountain. You just can't do it. You might be able to live on top of like a mountain that's not incredibly high, but but on top of these 13,000, 14,000, 15,000 and higher, it just you can't do it. It's too the weather's too unpredictable. The wind is so severe. The terrain is not conducive to, to any kind of growth period. There's no water. There's no plants. There's no there are no animals that live on top of those mountains. There might be animals that ascend and descend from the mountain constantly, but nobody lives up there. But the gods could be, you know, could potentially be the ones who rest up there. And that is why all the storms and the wind and the clouds and the lightning all happens up there. Those are the gods making deals, right? That's that's where they exist. But man, I'm telling you, like, there's nothing quite like standing in the presence of a mountain range that looks like the Tetons. I'm sure there are other places around the world that are as magnificent, but this, for me, this was the only, this was the first time seeing something like that. And I described it to my family and to a friend, like, it was like, the only way I could describe it was like being in the presence of the divine. It totally made sense to me that you know, God does his dealings on the mountaintop. And that is where God did his dealings with Moses. It's where he delivered, as I said, that's where he delivered the law. That's where Moses, Mount Sinai, that's where he was. Uh, the uh, mountains play a significant role in all of ancient culture, and they play significant roles in our lives now. Um, I think it's easy for us to sort of immediately dismiss those thoughts as, uh, what's the word here? Just kind of ancient nonsense. The gods don't live on top of mountains. They thought the you know there was a glow, or they thought that <laughs> oh flat earthers are going nuts if they listen to this, because uh, it sounds like I just said they thought the earth was a globe. I'm making fun of that. That's not what I'm saying. The earth is a globe. Uh, they thought there was a dome over the earth and the gods lived outside of the dome and the twinkling of the night sky was actually the glory um, that shone from the bodies of the gods that lived in the heavens. And I have a friend who has written extensively on, he's a scholar studying, currently uh, doing his PhD at Marquette, uh, but he's done extensive work in um, the ancient religions of Israel and ancient Christianity, talking about and studying the idea of these gods that exist in the heavens, twinkling, uh, we call it twinkling, but shining in the night from the glory of God that they kind of have on them, cloaked in themselves in. And then we have the idea of, um, that he would say in, in way better terms, and, and I'm probably butchering this terribly, but one day... 
God has promised to bestow an equal or even greater glory upon our bodies. And it is the shining in the night, in the dark of those heavenly bodies, of those, call them gods, call them what you will, um, that is our reference for how we might shine um, once given our new body, once given a divine body, and yet still human. And that, I suppose, is the, is the Christian thing. It's, it's becoming God and God-like, becoming divine and man. And we live in a, what is kind of coined as the already not yet. We live in an age where we can actually taste the divine. We can exhibit kingdom ethics. We can be like Jesus but everything around us sort of remained stained. It's still not the final form. And yet we've been given a taste. Mm, I want to see the top of that mountain. Have a wonderful day. Mm.